Join me as we enter the cradle of civilization, Athens, Greece. I'm Gary Bembridge and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. Each month a new destination is featured with recommendation, advice and tips based on the first-hand travel experience I gain from the two to three times a month I travel all over the world. You may also want to check out the Tips for Travellers video podcast, a sister podcast which features videos I've made of hotel rooms or attractions with commentary and recommendations linked to the destination featured each month in this audio podcast. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com. For travellers is spelt with two L's, the UK way, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk. You can subscribe to one or both of the podcasts by searching for Tips for Travellers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. I can never really make up my mind if I love, loathe or am indifferent about Athens. But what I do know is that in recent years, every time I've visited the city since the run-up to the 2004 Olympics and beyond, that my impression of and feeling for the city has grown. It seems to me that the Olympics gave the people of Athens a massive energy, enthusiasm and momentum to update, invigorate and improve almost every element of this huge and sprawling city. It is a drive that seems to have kept going and is still transforming Athens. The first time I visited Athens must have been around 1986 or so, and my impressions on that trip were not at all positive. Before going, I had, like most people, I'm sure, a perception of Athens and Greece as a place that was rich with a tremendous and romantic history, a history that was seeped in mythology with exotic legends and tales of gods, battles between good and evil, and passionate love affairs. I was familiar, of course, with the image of the famous Acropolis and the Parthenon with its massive columns, but realised that was about the only image of Athens I was familiar with. I had no idea of what the city itself looked like. But with its long history, I imagined it to be a bit like Paris, full of grand buildings reflecting a glorious past. So my first trip was somewhat of a rude shock to my system. I landed quite literally with a bump. The airport at that time was very old and quite tatty. It also seemed to be a bit of a shamble and quite disorganised. The trip into town seemed to be on small roads through tightly compacted buildings versus the large motorways and avenues I had expected. I also found that the city was sprawling and large with row after row of uninspiring beige building blocks. There was an almost unbelievable amount of traffic and air that was polluted as a result. I thought at first that this was perhaps just the route that my cab had taken to where I was staying at the Hilton Athens, but soon found, by staring out the high-rise hotel room, that this was a fairly true representation of Athens at that time. Over 5 million people, a staggering 40% of the Greek population, now live in the city. And if you explore the history of Athens during the late 1960s and into the 1970s and even early 1980s, you read about just how out of control the city did get. This was a time of massive growth for the city as people poured into it looking for work and the economy was growing. But due to poor town planning, growth came at the price of order and structure and many old buildings were torn down to be replaced with the more utilitarian office and accommodation blocks. 
This is why I think that the Olympics were such a positive influence on Athens. They gave the city an impetus and focus to reinvent the city. Greece was, of course, the founders of the Olympic Games, and the people of Greece felt cheated and were very unhappy when they lost out to Sydney the right to stage the Millennium Olympic Games in 2000. There was a belief among some in the Olympic movement that Athens was just not able to stage the Games due to its infrastructure. But I suspect that this was actually a good move for Athens, as the people were so enraged that they were determined to prove that not only could they stage Amazing Games in 2004, but they would do it in a modernised and appealing city. The people of Athens had a challenge to rally around, and they were determined to prove that Athens was a first-class world city. In usual Greek style, though, they did it in a way that stressed out the outside world watching, who were convinced that it would never have been done in time, forgetting that the Greeks usually get things done, but in their own time. They did literally finish on time, and even weeks before the Olympics, some observers were predicting chaos. The Greek way is a more leisurely approach to life and to getting things done. The weather, no doubt, plays a large part, as it is glorious weather usually, although it does get almost unbearably hot in midsummer. This is why, no doubt, the whole place pretty much closes down and everyone leaves Athens for the islands and the seaside. So if you visit, remember that midsummer is when the city is pretty closed up. Athens has put in place, as a result of the Olympics, many major infrastructure changes, which makes it a better city for the visitor. The new airport is slick, modern and very pleasant to travel through. There's now an inexpensive metro system that runs from the airport into town and also on the further, onto the further suburbs near the sea. There are new modern highways and every single hotel of every single class has been refurbished or extended. Even the five-star Hilton was transformed into a funky new modern hotel with sushi restaurants and a hip spa. The city had new walkways for tourists and all the traditional sites have been connected in a kind of archaeological area and so are easy to walk between without fighting through heavy traffic. Most of the museums too have been updated, renovated and extended and the tourist services seem better, more efficient and definitely up to date. Athens has always had a vibrant nightlife and this remains as buzzy as ever. The people of Athens are very sociable and like to take time to enjoy being with friends. Even on a weekday, it's easy to find yourself out until 1am or 2am, as the evening will only start earliest around 9pm. Even if you want a quick meal, you'll find it hard to do that in less than two hours. As to the Greeks, this is time to relax, to chat and to enjoy yourself. On this trip, for example, a colleague and I had flown in on a Sunday late afternoon and we went to eat around 6.30pm and found all the tables were still full with the lunchtime crowd who were just starting to finish off their coffees. The other good news is that Athens seems to be much less polluted, although traffic still seems to be pretty bad. Pollution used to be a major problem for the city. There are a rumoured 15,000 taxis and huge car ownership, and there are always zillions of young people weaving crazily through the traffic jams. Although people seem to take traffic jams as a matter of course in Athens and seem to get much less stressed out, than in other, other countries and other cities. However, while pollution seems to be better, you cannot say the same for smoking, as people still seem to smoke a lot and restaurants and bars are very smoky. The taxi trip into Athens from the airport is always, always, always for me an ordeal, and I pray for traffic jams. 
because when there's an open road, the taxi drivers do seem to take you on more of a white knuckle style ride, chopping and changing lanes at speed, driving on each other's bumpers and driving at speed while talking, doing text messages on the phone. I do find that part of my trip to Athens fairly stressful. And so if not traveling with anyone, we'll call up people on my mobile and chat to distract myself. And now, probably more likely to get onto the, the metro. So with Athens being a renovated and energetic place, what are my tips for anyone thinking of visiting the city? The first tip is about the best time to visit. If you're going as a tourist, the most comfortable time of the year weather-wise is late spring and at the end of summer. The days are warm and bright but do not have the high temperatures and stifling heat of summer. In August, around 60%, that's 60% of Athen residents leave the city to go on holiday just to get out the heat of the city, which is phenomenal. Winter, winter itself can be fairly pleasant in Athens, especially in January, though it is a bit less predictable. February is also a good month, as this is the carnival season, which is arranged by the Athens municipality. And carnival season ends on what they call Clean Monday, which is the beginning of Lent. So all you have to do is check your calendars to work out when that is for each year. Now, you will find a large difference in the cost of accommodation out of season, i.e. not in summer, which is another benefit of visiting at these times. Hotels can be as much as 30% or even 50% cheaper. The second tip I have is actually don't plan to stay too long. Athens is not really, in my view, a final destination place for tourists. It's an interesting place to stop by on your way to somewhere, such as the dazzlingly stunning Greek islands for some sun and relaxation. Or perhaps even as part of a trip to visit other Asian, ancient kind of world cities like Rome and Florence in Italy or Istanbul in Turkey. Because while the historical sites are very interesting and worth seeing, there's not a lot to keep you occupied and engaged, in my view, for many days. Days that you could better use on the islands or sightseeing elsewhere. It is worth planning a trip to Athens on your way to the islands, as so many people will take a direct or charter flights to one of the islands, and they miss out on the chance to just see the amazing history in Athens. Now, this is especially important when you consider that Greece is actually fairly far away from Western European countries like the UK, France, Spain, and Germany. You know, for example, if, if you're making the trip, it seems for me a real missed opportunity not to go to Athens because it's going to take you about four hours to, say, fly from London, uh, which many people actually find surprising and forgetting just how far south Greece actually is. Now, the three largest and most popular tourist islands near Greece are Crete, Rhodes and Corfu. Now, Crete is the biggest of the Greek islands and is between Libya and the Aegean Seas, which makes it the most southerly part of Europe. It's got a lot of great beaches um, on Crete, but also a lot of archaeological sites and museums. So it can, can be a good balance of kind of lying about and culture. Now, Rhodes is the fourth largest island of Greece, and it has a lot of kind of medieval churches. And I, I don't really know, I've never been to Rhodes, so I don't really know very much about Rhodes. Corfu, Corfu itself has a lot of history, and it's the most northerly island. It's, it's very rich, and it's got a very complex history from years of different invaders, I think. Um, now, many people, of course, prefer the smaller, more party islands like Mykonos, which, of course, is one of the most famous of all. And these, are, these islands in this part tend to be much closer together. They can be reached by ferries and boats. So my second tip of visiting, visiting Athens is don't plan to stay in Athens too long. My third tip, though, when you are in Athens, is do a round Athens tour. Now, the tourist office in Athens seems to only open in the morning and up to about 2.30 p.m., 2.30 in the afternoon. 
but the one at the airport has much longer hours and so it's worth stopping by there before you leave the airport and get the latest brochures and things that are on. So it's better to do that at the airport than to do it in town. However, no matter how long you're staying in the city, I recommend, as I often do for people visiting a city for the first time, that you do one of the kind of the round-the-city style tours. There are two very good options in Athens, one by bus and the other is a series of walking tours. Now, the bus, of course, covers more of the city and is more flexible on one kind of tour, if you like. The best is the Athens Sightseeing Public Bus Line. That's the Athens Sightseeing Public Bus Line. Not a very memorable name, but its slogan is Hop on the number 400 and discover Athens. The ticket can only be bought on the bus and costs about 5 euros, which is about 5 US dollars. It's valid for 24 hours on the 400 bus, as well as other public, public transport, and so it's a very, very good deal. In season, the bus runs um, on 30-minute cycles from about 9 o'clock in the morning, and out of season, it runs each hour. But on this, this 400 bus, there's 20 stops, which you can get, obviously get on and off at as you want in that 24-hour period, and it covers all of the areas you're going to want to see. And some of the stops include the National Archaeological Museum, Klafothomos Square, Sintigma, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, Benalki Museum, which we're going to talk about a bit later, the National Gallery, uh, Panathikion Stadium, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, the Acropolis, the Olympic Zeus Temple, I'm going to mention that a bit later, and the Greek Parliament, which I'm definitely going to mention later, and the University. So there's loads of all the important places you need to go. And you can find out more at uh, on their internet site, which is oasa.gr. So that's www.oasa.gr. Now, if you're an energetic type and want a more escorted tour, then you could try the walking tour. You can find out more at a much easier to remember website, which is athenswalkingtours.gr. AthensWalkingTours.gr. Now, these tours have been run for over 20 years, and they started about quarter past nine each morning and last each of them about three hours. Now, you have to book these the day before, I guess, so they can make sure there's enough people. There's four tours you can choose from, with the first two that I'm going to mention as the best to get a good overview and also, importantly, to hear the history. So the first tour they offer is what they call an exciting trip through history, and this focuses mostly on the Acropolis and the area around the Acropolis. So that's... A really good one because you get the real heart of, of the history. The second tour, which is called The Best of Athens, which focuses on a mix of the modern and old in Athens, so it gives you a, a, an overall feel for the city. So either tour number one, which is focusing on the Acropolis and the ancient, or tour number two, The Best of Athens, which kind of has modern and old. They do three other tours, one of which is called Culture and Pleasure, which gives you a good feel again, and you got one of the hills to get a panoramic view of the city, but also across to the sea, because um, Athens is kind of next near the sea. The fourth one is the Greek Bazaar, which kind of looks at, uh, not bazaar as in strange, as in shopping. So the Greek Bazaar, which is a, which obviously, surprise, surprise, looks at shopping areas and stuff. And the fifth one is a museum tour, which, surprise, surprise, goes to museums. But it only goes to two of the critical museums, which are art museums, basically. The Benaki Museum, which is Greek art history, and the Cycladic Art so the first two are really the best, the trip through history, which is focusing on the Acropolis, or the best of Athens, which gives you a little bit of old and new. My fifth tip, then, is to see the five main tourist areas. There are five main areas that, in my view, are places that you need to spend time in in Athens. Now, although there's five of them, they're all basically in the same part of the city. 
and so they're relatively easy to get to see them and as part of the preparations for the Olympics, some of them were kind of linked with much more pedestrian-friendly roads and walkways, so they're even easier. So let me go through the five. The first of all is the Acropolis area. So this is the first of the famous five, as I call them. It costs about 12 euros, so about 12 US dollars to enter. And this was kind of, I guess you call it the holy rock um, in the city. A lot of very important and significant buildings were built on the Acropolis. Um, so in in addition to kind of a great view of the city, you get to see some really stunning old buildings. There's the Propylia, which is the entrance at the base of the Acropolis, and it's made of marble. Then, of course, you get to see the huge and impressive um, Parthenon, which is the, the largest building in the Acropolis. It's got big columns and carved friezes and stuff. Now, there is a new museum which shows finds from the Acropolis dating right back to, believe it or not, 6 BCE. So a lot of stuff going back a very long way. Now, the fee you pay also allows you to visit the stunning theatre of Dionysus, which is the most ancient theatre in Greece, and that's worth visiting. And if you want to, you can also head down and visit the ancient Agora, which is an amazing site, which used to be the kind of the political, financial, religious centre of Athens. So the Acropolis area is great. Now, if you haven't gone on a tour, there's always lots of tours across the Acropolis, and one of the sort of the little tips that people say is you kind of just sort of follow tour groups around, you know, don't be too obvious, and you can kind of hear the history. Um, the next area is the Hadrian Arch area, which is kind of near the Acropolis. It's Hadrian, sort of at the bottom of the Acropolis. It's, it's the Hadrian, Hadrian's Arch, and it's a very impressive Roman monument. It was built in about um, AD 131, and it's in, built in marble, and it was honoring the Roman emperor Adrian. And at the time, it was the border between what was then the old and new parts of Athens. And it's, it's a beautiful kind of archway. And then just beyond the arch is the Temple of the Olympian Zeus. And this is a very impressive building dedicated to Zeus, father of the gods. And it's the biggest temple in the country and, and really is well worth seeing. So that's kind of, you go Acropolis, you kind of go down the Acropolis into Hadrian's Arch area and you see that uh, Temple of the Olympian Zeus. Close by that is the Panathikion Stadium area. Now, this is probably one of the best known places in Athens and definitely one of the best-known places in Athens amongst sports fans. And it, it reminds you, it looks a lot like the sort of stadiums, you know, in those films showing chariot races and things. It was originally built in the 4th century BC. It's been restored twice um, to rebuilt and everything. And it can hold an amazing 70,000 spectators. And it was here in 1896 that the first modern Olympics were held. So it's, it's a very important and significant place to visit. And it's, it's a nice-looking place. So then the fourth of these kind of famous five is the National Garden area. Now, the walk there's a walk through very plush gardens, and it's got ponds and everything. And it takes you past the presidential house, which used to be the palace when, when Greece had a royal family. But more importantly, it takes you kind of at the top of, of the, the, the National Garden area is the Parliament building. Now, this is a neoclassical building. It's called neoclassical building in the guidebooks. I don't know what that means, but it's basically big and huge and pretty impressive looking. It was built between 1834 and 1838. It was originally built as Palace of the First Kings. Now it's a huge building with big columns. It's got a big statue and a fountain outside. It's really worth taking a look at. Now in front of the buildings is the, the Monument of the Unknown Soldier. It has two guards who are called Evzons, E-V-Z-O-N-E-S, or presidential guards. Now these are the guards that are dressed up in those very strange uniforms that look like a cross between sort of a, a girl's gym slip and a tutu. It's They're very strange. Um, they're very distinctive and, and it's definitely worth watching and changing the guard in, in the honour. And you'll, the minute you see these, these guards you'll know what I'm talking about.
The, the last of the famous five, which is kind of really kind of actually where this monument is anyway, is, is the Syntagma uh, square area. Now, Syntagma or Syntagma means constitution, and the square is one of the best-known places in the city. This is one of the centres of Athens. It really is seen as a centre of Athens, and not only because there's a big metro station there, but it's near the parliament buildings, and this is like one of those very long Greek words. It's Panepistimou, P-A-N-E-P-I-S-T-I-M-I-O-U. Panepistimou Street runs off it. Now, on the square, let's go back to something I can pronounce. In the st- <laughs> I can't even pronounce that one. In the Syntagma Square area, it's a free wireless hotspot. And so it's great for catching up um, on emails or whatever if you've got a laptop. And you can find out more at AthensWiFi.gr. So AthensWiFi.gr. And all these sites, you can find links in the show notes, by the way. And Panipistumur Street is one of the central roads of Athens. It's got some great-looking buildings on it, as well as the National Library. And many of the museums are off it, such as the Museum of the City of Athens and other museums like that. So my sixth tip, which is actually my last tip, because I had that famous five kind of bundled in as one tip, is visit a museum. Now, I think that Athens must be one of the cities with the most museums, as there seems to be loads of them covering a huge variety of topics. Now, in the tours I mentioned, some of the art museums are mentioned, but I think if you're going to visit one museum, probably the best museum to capture the history of the city is the National Archaeological Museum, which was originally built in 1866. This is the one to visit if you only go to one museum. And it takes you through Greek history and it's some amazing prehistoric exhibits and great sculptures. So let me just go through those six tips again very briefly. Best time to visit, remember the most comfortable time of the year is late spring and uh, end of summer. Don't plan to stay too long in Athens. Spend a couple of days there and either go onto the Greek islands um, or you know use it as part of uh, visiting other ancient cities like Istanbul in Turkey or Rome or Florence. Uh, consider going onto the Greek islands, particularly think about Crete, Rhodes and Corfu or some of the smaller, more party islands like Mykonos. Do a round the Athens tour, uh, remembering that the, air, the airport tourist office is probably the best one to go to. You've got the Athens sightseeing public bus line, which has a really great tour, 20 stops, or those walking tours where you have the trip through history or the best of Athens. Then see the five famous five, as I've called them, main tourist areas, which is the Acropolis area, Hadrian's Arch, the Panathakai Stadium, the National Garden, which has the Presidential House, and the Syntagma Square. And visit a museum, which is my tip number six, particularly the National Archaeological Museum. You've been listening to Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. A new destination with first-hand based advice, recommendations and tips is added each month. If you subscribe to the podcast, thanks for your support. If you don't, you may want to consider subscribing by searching Tips for Travellers or Gary Beveridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. You can then subscribe to the Tips for Travellers Global Travel Destination audio podcast or the video podcast with hotel rooms and attractions. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com where travellers is spelled the UK way with two L's or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.com dot co dot uk